Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, hallelujah, I've got three pages of notes, and I'm not sure if we're going to make this a a two-parter or whether I can race through three pages of notes. Depends on how many rabbit trails I go down. Hallelujah, God is good. Well, I'll tell you what motivated me on this one. Um, uh, Sunday, Brother Defen was with us. Did y'all not enjoy that? Oh, man, that was so good. It was such a shame he was only here for one service, you know, but... um, you know, he, it was just, it was really, really, really good. Uh, he just left us with a lot to chew on, didn't he? Amen. And uh, so much. And then when, uh, you know, I, I sent the guys down to the hotel to get them checked out and get their bags. And then we met up at the Great Outdoors for lunch. And I, I had an opportunity to, to race into the office and see how much had come in and his offering and get him a check written and, uh, and take it with me down there so he could have it before he left. And um, so uh, I knew what the check amount was, and I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> and so we, we heard from him, and Pastor read that, this little text back to us on Sunday night about, about how amazed he was at your lavish generosity. And, um, you know, it just it struck me Sunday night when, when he read that. I thought, you know, I need to tell you what a generous bunch you are again. The last couple of years... We have given some our guest speakers some amazing offerings. And uh, in the midst of an economy that was going crazy, in the midst of a pandemic, uh, you guys have been so incredibly generous. You know, and that bears talking about. You know, we've, we've uh, um, Miss Regina, who was here for the ladies' conference, uh, we gave her, you know, a, a really big offering. She was flabbergasted by it. I, I love that. I absolutely love it when our guest speakers get back in contact with us and tell us, I can't believe how, how generous this offering is. I absolutely love it. And you know what? Word gets out that Impact Family Church is a generous bunch. And... Um, and so Pastor Defan, you know, he was, he was so blessed by that. And he's going to put all that in toward his church planting. And uh, just everything, you know, I, I, just, I just decided we'd talk about generosity tonight. And I trust that in the middle of all this, you're going to recognize yourself. You, if, you don't, if you don't see yourself in what I say tonight, then you need to listen real good. And you need to do some changing. Because it's the generous ones who are the blessed ones. So anyway, let's just start with this. Mr. Michael, I'm good. Let's start off with this. Reasons why people are not generous. How about their upbringing? Uh, People who were raised in Depression era tend to have a real problem being generous. People like me who who were raised in poverty, uh, I have a real problem being generous. I have overcome that to a great extent. Um, There are times when the Lord stretches me again to see how generous I have become. And uh, for those times, I have to go. I have to swallow hard sometimes and go, okay. 
because I, I realized that along this road to learning how to be generous, that the challenges that the Father puts in front of me to be generous are for my good, for my benefit, to enlarge my life, and to make me a bigger blessing to other people. And so people are not generous because their family dynamics, you know, for the, you know, how they were raised, you know, how they were taught about money. Um, you know, people who, who tend to want to hold on to everything, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, they tend to pass that kind of stuff down to their children. We can pass generosity down to our children, to the generations that follow us. We can, we can do that. Sometimes people aren't generous because they've never been taught. They don't understand you know, what is, how can, how can I give this away? I don't have enough for me. Well, the way you get enough for you is to be generous with what you have. That doesn't seem right, but it, but it is, it's the truth. Um, you know, I, I know we have some good friends who a number of years ago went on a, on a cruise. And uh, this particular cruise line that they went on is very exclusive. It's a small ship. I'm not even sure you can call it. Yeah, I guess you call it a ship still. It's a small ship. Um, it's very exclusive clientele. Uh, very rich people are on this, on this cruise. And they're catered to because they're rich people. And uh, their church had, had raised an offering. I, I don't remember what it was a special uh, occasion. You know, they had sent them on this. I think it was like a, 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 one of those landmark you know, anniversaries or something. Anyway, they had sent them on this. The church had sent them on, on this particular cruise. I mean, had just gone all out you know, to bless them. And, uh, and they're very, very gregarious kind of people. You know, they're very outgoing. And so they were able to talk with all these different people on this, on this ship. And there was a lot of people from a lot of different countries on this ship. And uh, they got to, to, uh, to be friends with a, an English family on this, on this trip. There was a mom and a dad and a daughter. Now, the daughter was full grown. I mean, they were, they were older people. And so this was a full grown daughter that was with them. And so they, they had an opportunity to talk about things and to, and to talk about, you know, you know, what they did. And, and, and eventually the, you know, the conversation got around to why, how they came to be on this cruise. And they were able to share, listen, our church blessed us with this cruise. And, um, and so when they were, the English, the older man, the older man was just like, he was just like, well, that's incredible. And the daughter turned and looked at her dad and said, Dad, what would you know about it? You only give two buttons anytime you go to church. I don't know what a button is supposed to be, you know, but she said two buttons is all you give when you go to church. And this was, this was a cruise ship full of, of rich people. So two buttons was not exactly a compliment, I don't think. You know, but regardless, you know, he had never learned to be generous. You know, generosity makes a person happy. It really does. Your, uh, your emotional well-being is a whole lot better when you're a generous person. I know what it's like to be stingy, personally. I've been stingy. And I'm still stingy to a certain point. Somebody said I could, you know, squeeze a penny so hard that, that the Lincoln will... will wine on it. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. But you know, so I don't even, and I don't even know where I got this statistics I'm about to give you, but I, I didn't write it down. But it's, it's, it says that in the Bible, there are 272 verses that talk about believing. 371 that talk about prayer. 
714 that talk about love. And 2,161 times it talks about giving. So, if give is the verb of the Bible, then God is the subject and we are the object. Aren't you, I mean, aren't, doesn't that thrill you? That God is the subject and we're the object of that word give. I mean, that's awesome. In the Old Testament, man was governed and told what to give. Listen, you think 10% tithe is tough? You need to go back to the Old Testament and start reading. Because in the Old Testament, there was all kind of offerings that they were required to give. If you didn't put your tithe in all at one time, you were required to give an extra 10%. And then there was all this to tithe for this and this and the offering for this and offering for this and offering for this and offering for this and offering for this. These were part of the law. But you know what? Tithing didn't originate under the law. Tithing originated long before Moses came along. Long before there was all these, these, these things put into the law of Moses. It came along well before that. But you know, when the law came along, they demanded it. The law demanded of people what they were going to give and how they were going to give it, what the amount was, and when they were going to give it. In the New Testament, giving has now become a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Does God say you have to tithe? No, but he offers you the opportunity to give back to him what belongs to him. He offers you the opportunity to give honor to him by tithing. He offers you the opportunity to have blessing in your life because you honor him, because you give back to him. He's giving you opportunity. Do you have to take the opportunity? Nope, you don't. If you don't want to take advantage of the opportunity set before you, you don't have to. But who is going to suffer from the lack of taking advantage of that opportunity? You. See, some people think of it as, you know, just so much you know, nonsense that the church is putting out there just to finance the church. And to be honest with you, that's where the money goes, is to finance the church. Would you like to be sitting in here with no air conditioning? Would you like to be having church in a tent? Would you like to have all your children in here with you tonight? And there's, I mean, the ministry covers a lot of areas. It covers a lot of territory. And it costs money. The latest electric bill around here was almost $2,400. You know, it costs money to feel this nice, cool air. And by the way, when I get to heaven, I'm going to find out the guy who invented uh, air conditioning. I'm going to hug that man real good. We've worked outside the last couple of days, and thank you, Jesus, for air conditioning when I went back in. You know, and uh, so, you know, God is giving us an opportunity. When he talks about tithing, number one, belongs to him. It's already his, you know, and that's, you know, Malachi talks about would a man rob God? Yes, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. That's why around here, qualifications for being in the ministry of helps where any kind of teaching is concerned, where any kind of platform ministry is concerned, there will not be a God robber involved in it. It's up to you. It's up to you. God robbers do not teach. God robbers do not minister off from the platform. They don't. Can you do other things? Yes, you can do other things. 
If that's, if that's where you want to be, you can do that. It's okay with me. You know, I don't, you're just going to be the one to suffer. You have gifts and abilities that can't be used because you won't be a giver. Because you won't honor God by tithing. I can't put somebody to use like that. How in the world can, can we expect people to teach these children or the teens or anybody else about tithing when they're not tithers themselves? It has to be real to you before you can effectively teach anybody else that. And, you're, and, and for somebody to go around trying to figure out a way to get around tithing, like, oh, I'm going to tithe on the gross, not the net. Excuse me, what does the IRS say? When you, when you file your tax return, what figure do they use? Do you think God is using a different one? Do you think God is using the gross? He's using the net. When somebody gives me a car, I'm sorry, what? The, the net, I got it backwards. I, I got it backwards, that's right. God's looking at the gross, not the net. Okay. God, thank you. I need that correction there. When somebody gives me something like a car, when somebody gives me something like a birthday present, when somebody gives me a Christmas present, when somebody blesses me with something, oh, I don't need to tithe on that because that wasn't, I wasn't, that wasn't from my job. It has nothing to do with your job. Everything that comes into my hands that's increased to me, that is what I'm going to tithe on. And that's what God expects. He expects you to see increase as blessing to you and as another opportunity to tithe on something. Listen, years ago when the church gave us that, you know, that Toyota, that Sequoia, you know, you know we had to figure out what that thing was worth. Of course, we, we knew we had the sales paper, so we knew what it was worth. So that's, we tithed on that. When my sons got scholarship money to go to college, they figured out a way to tithe on that scholarship money. And by doing that, they both set themselves up to be blessed as life went on. So, you know, there are lots. Of, I, could, I could go on along. I, we will stop right there with it. Okay. But anyway, uh, I, I could teach a whole bunch on that. Anyway, go with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. This may turn into a two-parter. Yes. Um, Just in verse 11, beware you forget not the Lord your God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command you this day, lest when you have eaten and are full and has built goodly houses and dwell therein, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God would brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. How many have been brought out of the land of bondage in here? Hello, me. It may not be called Egypt, but it was a land of bondage that I was in. You've been brought out of a land of bondage. Hallelujah. Who led you through that great and terrible wilderness where there were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought you forth out of the rock of Flint, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers knew not, that he might humble you, that he might prove to you to do you good at your latter end. And you say in your heart, my power in the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. Mm-mm. I've been brought through so much. I have been blessed so much. I've been provided for so much. 
And I have to say, it wasn't me. It was all God. And here in verse 18, it says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto your fathers as it is this day. Here is the main motivation for giving to the things of God, is that God can establish his covenant. That's the focus of generosity, is to establish the covenant that God has made with his people. Hallelujah. You. You, can, you can leave a legacy. What you get. And you know, giving generosity is not always money. It does, sometimes it's generous with your home. Kim and Curtis open their home up to all kinds of connections groups all the time. The Morgans open their home to, to singles and youth and all kinds of things all the time. Pastor Greg and Miss Amy have got people at their house all the time. You know, there's generosity there. There's generosity with, with doing good deeds. If you go over to Acts 9, we won't turn there. Uh, Acts 9, you, t- you see um, a lady by the name of Dorcas who was known for her good works, whom her alm deeds, she made coats, she made garments for people. When you've got a gift and ability, be generous with it. You know, talking about D- Dorcas just reminds me of Miss PJ, who is always making something for somebody. You know, she's making these, these, these covers, she's making afghans, she's making quilts, she's making toys, you know, for the little ones. She's using the gifts she has to be generous to people. I go back to Miss Betty, you know, Miss Betty Beckerink years ago. I mean, I tell you, that lady could do anything. And how many are the times, I mean, when I would call her up and say, Miss Betty, I got a project. I need, I need to figure out how to do this. That's it. She will let me think on it, and I'll get back to you. And she'd come back to me with, with a, I mean, just a wonderful idea of how to, how to get this thing accomplished. And so many times that she went to heaven, I thought, Miss Betty, where are you? I need you. I need help. <laughs> but see, that's the kind of legacy of, of generosity that she left behind. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, money. It just ne- is not a necessarily a monetary thing. You know, it could be generous in your prayers. Generous in your prayer life. Again, one of the saints of God who went home already is Miss Ruth Dunn. And she would, she would take, you know, because she was not physically able to do a lot of things in her latter years, she would take the church directory and she would go down that church directory and she would start praying for every, every family. And then the Lord would quicken her heart and she would stop. And she would stop and she'd pray for the Browns. And she'd come to me later sometimes and she'd say, well, I was praying for so-and-so just especially, you know, this last week. Is there, any, is there anything going on? And I said, sometimes I would say yes, and, and I said, that's, that's, that's awesome. And sometimes I'd say, well, I don't know, but God knows best. You know, but she was generous with her time to pray. There's a lot of ways to be generous. Generous toward others is, has, has such a special thing, you know, about it. Go with me to 1 Timothy. Oh, let me just say this. The Weymouth translation, if you, if you go back to, if you were in Acts and you saw the, the passage about Dorcas, the Weymouth translation of that little passage in, that, in there about talking about her said, says it this way. Her life was full of the good and charitable actions which she was constantly doing. Constantly doing, you know. 
that speaks well of her. And, and her name's in the Bible. This is a woman who, who gave what she could. She gave what she had. She was generous with it. And she is immortalized in the word of God. Awesome. Um, let's see. First Timothy 6. Generosity always focuses on other people. Always. First Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Isn't it? Have you, have you noticed? You know, there's a lot of rich people in the world who suddenly lost everything in just a matter of days. Those are uncertain riches. Because they're just material things that can disappear, that can just go up in, you know, in, a, in smoke, you know, that can be stolen from them. Uncertain riches. But it says, it says but, in, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. I've got written here in the margin of my Bible, lay hold on real life that is life indeed. You know, when you're generous with what you have, you're laying hold of the real life. The real life. There are some eternal rewards connected to your generosity. Not things that, that were just, you know, here today and gone tomorrow, you know, on this earth, but real things, real impacts that you make in other people's lives that are counted up for you as rewards when you get to heaven. An eternal blessing. Uh, the NIV t- thinks, uh, verses of this says, tell them to be generous. In the Amplified, it says it this way. As for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Charge them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be liberal and generous of heart, ready to share with others. In this way, laying up for themselves the riches that endure forever as a good foundation for the future so that they may grasp that which is life indeed. So you see four things, you know, here we've talked about. Number one is good works. Number two is rewards that are waiting. Number three is generous for the right reason and the right purpose. And number four is so that we take hold on life that is real life. You can discover a whole new realm of living when you're generous. I mean, it, joy. Have you ever, you know, I mean, as a parent, you know, you, you give to your kids, you know, for their birthdays or for Christmas or sometimes just because you just want to give them something. And to see the joy it brings to their life brings such joy to your heart. And that's the way it ought to be. You know, to, to know that, that, you know, when I sow into somebody else, whether it's my kids or whether it's a stranger or whether it's one of my brothers and sisters in the church, you know, no matter what it is, 
you know, just to know that, that God chose me to help meet a need or a desire brings a great deal of joy to my heart. And it should bring it to yours as well. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave. If that doesn't sum up the heart of the Father God. God so loved the world that he gave. He, in that act of giving his son to the world, was the most generous act of all time with the most eternal impact possible my life was changed forever because God gave his only begotten son he gave and if my father is that kind of a giver should I not be doing my best to emulate him, to be just like him. After all, his DNA runs in my veins. His DNA is part of me. I mean, everything about him has been deposited on the inside of me. His very nature is on the inside of me. Why would I not be just like him, the kind of giver that he is? Did he count the cost? I believe he counted the cost. But I believe he said, It's well worth it. It's well worth it. Well, what does God get back out of it? He gets an awesome family. He gets an awesome... He receives back from what he gave. He has you. He has you. You are the reward of his giving. Have you ever thought about yourself that way? You're the reward of the Father's giving. His giving heart is you. It's you. Psalm 84, 11 says, No good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold. Ah. James 1, 17 says, Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variation, no shadow of turning. Listen, when God gives, he doesn't give seconds. He doesn't give hand-me-downs. He doesn't give leftovers. He gives quality. We should learn to do the same thing. God impresses you to give something to somebody, don't give them the leftovers. Give them something that means something to you. God gave something that meant a great deal to him. We should be like him. When, it's, when God says give, give it. But, but, but don't give just something that, well, I can, I can afford to do without this. I can afford to let this go. Mm-mm. That's not how you give. That's not generosity. Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. You ever get mixed up with Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians? You know, there's, there's just sort of those acronym things. Gentiles eat pork chops. 
That's how you can figure it out. (laughs) I heard that a lot of years ago and went, yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That word goodness is translated in the Amplified as well as, uh, no, not the Amplified, but the Phillips translation as generosity. Now, Weymouth and the Amplified translated as benevolence. Well, let's take both of those words. Benevolence means a desire to do good to others, an act of kindness intended for benefits rather than profit. If you're giving something so you can profit from it, It's not benevolence. It's not. If if that's not what you're given for, then you're feathering your own nest. And that's not true benevolence. Generosity then also means liberal in giving, unselfish, free from meanness or smallness of mind. Anybody been set free from smallness of mind? I remember pastor coming to me a few years ago and telling me that he, he felt impressed that we should give a certain person, a person, not a church, not a ministry, a person, X amount of dollars. And I, I went, can I think on it for overnight, please? I mean, really? Can, can, I, can, you, can you give me a little time to, to, to kind of chew on this? We, we, you know, the next morning I'm going, okay, we can do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. It was a huge amount, you know, for us. But we, we did it. And, and, and thank God, you know, those are the kind of opportunities that present themselves to me that help get me out of my smallness of mind sometimes. Because if I'm not careful, I will revert back to the fact that I was raised in such poverty and, and my, and my um, skill with finances can sometimes be uh, found in my desire to hang on to it all for myself. That's just, I'm just being honest with you, you know. Um, you know, I, I, want, I, want, I want to make sure that we're covered. I want to make sure that we've got what we need. I want to make sure that we're not going to lack. I want to make sure that we, you know, if we want to do some little something, that we've got the money to do it. You know, I, 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 want, I want to know that there's money in the bank. I want to know that there's, you know, there's, there's money saved up for the future. I want to know this. And, I want to, you know, and sometimes that is, a, that is a problem for me, that I have to stop and go, okay, hold it. Hold it. You know, that is smallness of mind. And I can't afford smallness of mind. Because if I put myself in a place of smallness of mind, I have taken myself out of the realm of the greatness of God. I have taken myself out of that totally and completely. I've I've put myself back in my own little box over here where it's within my power and my might and my strength. Instead of looking to God as the source, the only source of my blessing, the only source of, of my increase. When I do that kind of stuff. You know, and these are, these are things that we all have to work through. These are things that we have to get a hold of and that we have to change about the way. Because here in Galatians, it says the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the recreated human spirit includes being generous. 
Don't look at me and say, oh, well, I'm not a generous person. Yes, if you're born again, yes, you are. Well, I can't be generous. Uh, Excuse me. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And the Spirit of God says there's there's a generous heart on the inside of you. You just need to learn how to access it. You just need to learn how to live in in the midst of it. You just need to renew your mind to the fact that you are a generous person. Well, what's the difference? What's the, what's the opposite? What's the antonym for this? It's called stinginess. Stinginess and pettiness. And it is evident throughout mankind from the time a kid had, knows what a toy is. It's mine. It's mine. You, you go over there in that room over there. Can, am, I, am I speaking truly? Those one-year-olds and two-year-olds that are over there, you know, they get a toy out, somebody else that wants it, and they come over and they grab it out of their hands. And next thing you know, you've got squalling young'uns everywhere. Flesh wants to be stingy. Flesh wants to be petty. Flesh wants to say, it's mine and you can't have it. Flesh is not open to saying, for the Lord to say to you, you need to let, you need to let go of that. You need to give that to so-and-so. No, not me. I don't share. I don't share. We had a little girl years ago that was that was in there, and, and I think she was maybe she was maybe maybe she was three, and uh, she she brought her little coins in to put it in the offering, and had a little visitor child that had come in, and he didn't of course he didn't bring any offering with him, and so she was she was asked if you would like to share with our visitors so they would have something to put in the offering. She goes, I don't like share. I don't like share. I don't, want, I don't want share. No. Listen, at least she was honest. There's a whole bunch of adults in the room who might need to have a lesson from that. If you're going to be stingy, just be honest about it. If you're going to be stingy, don't try to pass it off as something else. Well, I need to keep this for, for something else. I, I've already got a project I'm working on that I, this, I need to put this toward. That's called stingy. Just plain old stingy. Smallness of mind. Petty. Petty. I'm on a roll. Can you tell? <laughs> Psalm 37:21 says, The wicked borrows and does not pay. But the righteous give generously. How many righteous we got? Then I should be able to say that you give generously. There is no excuse for the righteous not to be generous. None. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, The liberal soul shall be made fat. Amplified says enriched. The Amplified also says, There are those who... Uh, generously scatter abroad and yet increase more. There are, you know what? God's system of finances is so bizarre. So bizarre. I have yet to understand how I can keep giving money away and still be as blessed as I am. I, you know, I just, it doesn't make sense. On paper, it just doesn't make sense. You know, when I go to, I'm getting to heaven, I'm going, can I see your accountant? I want to I know what, what he's using. You know, what, what program is he using to get this all worked out? God's got a whole different financial program than you and I have. But anyway, it goes on. It says, uh, there are those who generously scatter abroad and yet increase more. There are those who withhold more than is fitting. See, God doesn't want you to give everything. 
He wants you to give what he talks to you about giving. He knows that you have needs. He knows that you have desires. He doesn't want you to give everything. We do not serve a God with a poverty mentality. There has not been a vow of poverty that he expects you to take. I don't know where people got that that idea. You know, money's bad. Money is not bad. The love of money is bad. The love of money and the, and, and the, and the, the, the attention that people give to it is what's bad. The effort they put into gaining more and more and, and stashing it all up and squirreling it away and, and all that, that's what's bad. He doesn't want you to withhold more than what is fitting. You know, here's a good story. Uh, I know exactly what year it was. It was 1995, and we had gone down to Lakeland to um, one of Brother Hagen's meetings, and uh, it was the last night. It was Friday night, and, you know, um, I kind of go into, into those kind of meetings with kind of a general idea of what, of what I want to give or what we, we should give. And, and so that night I think I had, had a check all written out, and, and, I, and I clearly heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the problem here is that Dad Hagen had all those Holy Ghost meetings. The biggest purpose was to teach us for how to follow the Holy Ghost. Hello. So anyway, we're there that last meeting, and, and the Lord actually told me to double what I had intended to give. And I went, no, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm giving good already. Why don't I have to double it? And so I didn't. I didn't listen. I did not listen on the inside. So it's Friday night. It's the last night. So we, we go out you know, with, with everybody to grab something to eat, and then we start driving home. And, and, and certain people don't mind if, if I drive while they sleep. And so, and so he was, in, he was, he was in, the, in the passenger seat. He was asleep. And we're coming up 75. You know, we've gotten off the turnpike, and we're up 75, and we're getting close to Ocala. And, and there's a construction zone coming up. But it's 2 o'clock in the morning. There's nobody working on the road. And I heard, slow down. The same, the same voice that talked to me about doubling my offering just a few hours ago, that same voice told me to slow down. And I did what the second time what I did the first time. I ignored it. What do you know? Blue light special coming after me. So got pulled over, and the ticket was high. It was more than what I would have given in the offering had I listened. God didn't get it, but the state of Florida did. I'm telling you, when God talks to you about giving something, there's a reason. Number one, it's, it's practice for you to learn how to heed the Holy Ghost. And number two, is so you won't get stolen from down the road. He does not want you to withhold more than is fitting. But when he talks to you about giving something, that's fitting. I don't care what the amount is. When the Holy Ghost is talking to you, that inward man is saying, you need to do this, then you need to do this. There's reasons for it. There's blessings and there's protection in following that. And it's a lesson for you to learn about generosity. It's a lesson. We're constantly having to go back and relearn the basics. You know, every sport has basic drills 
that you have to go through to keep them on top of their game. Listen, there are basic drills that we need to go through in our spiritual walk to stay on top of our game. And generosity is one of them. Hallelujah. You know, Mark, let's go over to Mark chapter 4. Mark, 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 Mark. Chapter 4. Let's see, where do we want to go? Verse 24. I, I believe this can be applied to generosity, I mean, to, to generosity as well as, as just, you know, what you hear, you know, the things that, that you take in spiritually, you know. Um, it says, take heed what you hear. Verse 24. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that has to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken even which he has. You know, it's really a matter of sowing and reaping. If you go over to Galatians 6, verse 7, it says, Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. We need to learn that the measure that we use is the measure we can expect back. And if we don't use what we have, then what little we have will be gone. I think the, um, the, in the Norley translation of this passage in Mark says, even the little he has will be taken from him. You know, the Old Testament talks about putting money in your, hole, in, in your pockets with holes. Not being a generous person is just, just putting more holes in your pocket. For money to come in and just be gone and you don't even know where it went and why things aren't working and why the bills aren't getting paid and why there's never any extra and why it's just, it just isn't working. How many people have said, oh, this given business, it doesn't work? Well, excuse me, but I know a lot of people who say it does. I know a lot of people who say, listen, there was a time in my life when I didn't know how I was going to give. I didn't know how I was going to tithe. I didn't know how I was going to survive. It, it was a choice between, Doug, remember, it was a choice between tithing or eating, wasn't it? And what choice did you make? You gave. And has God let you down since then? Never. Never. There always comes a point, a pivotal moment in our life where generosity is concerned, where either we are or we aren't. There will come that moment, that defining cross-the-line moment that you know without a shadow of a doubt who your, your source is, that you can trust him. At every turn. That no matter what it looks like, this is what I know I need to do. There will come that day. Always. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm at, I'm at one, one and a half pages. And I have nine minutes. Okay. Okay. Uh, Let's, let's just stop with, um, 
maybe I can do this in nine minutes. Uh, let's go to the, you know the passage I'm going to, I bet, Second Corinthians. You can all quote it, I'm, I'm sure. If you can't, I'm, a, I'm ashamed of you. <laughs> Starting in verse 6, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. It didn't say every man his purposes in his heart, let him decide whether he wants to give or not. The, the not was never in question. The not was not part of this. What's in question here is how you give, sparingly or bountifully. It doesn't give you an ex, an, a reason to not give at all. Every believer is expected to give something. Others, some will give a lot, some will give a little. But it's each according to what you have. Anyway, it goes on. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency may abound to every good work. And I tell you what, if the amplified version of that verse does not just roll right off your tongue, I need to get you a little cheat sheet for you to learn it every single day. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. The generous person doesn't go, oh, my God, he's got another guest speaker coming. Oh, oh, oh. The generous heart doesn't say, another project? Are we not done with that playground already? Listen, I got carpet to replace now. The generous giver says, I'm not a grudging giver. I'm not a sparing giver. I'm a bountiful giver. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to me in abundance so that I'm furnished for every good work. Every good work. Hallelujah. Your motivation cannot come from the outside. If you look at, uh, what verse is this? I've got my Amplified here. Uh, Purposes in his heart. Uh, okay, verse 7. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, let him give, not grudgingly. If you give grudgingly, then you, all you're going to do is feel used. It goes on to say, says, or of necessity, if that's how you give, then all you're going to feel is abused. God's not looking for used and abused people. And if that's, if that's how you're feeling, don't do it. You're wasting your money. Just wasting it. It has to be a matter of the heart. It has to be a matter of the heart. And in the New Testament, we are free to give according to the heart. A guest speaker comes along, do not put the same amount of money in every single time a guest speaker comes. 
Stop and say, Lord, what would you have me give this speaker? What would you have me give to this project? Don't throw in your obligatory 10 bucks or 25 bucks and count yourself as having done something fantastic. There are people that God has sent our way over the years that, you know, I remember one, one person, he was lucky to get $50 out of me. I'm not even sure I gave him that much. It was, it was a weird situation. It really was. It was, a, it was, it was, it was bad. Um, he, he should have been blessed by what little he got that night. <laughs> there have been people who've come that, you know, $100. There are people who have come that's $500. There are people who've come that has been $1,000. You know, I never look at any guest speaker as a set amount of money. I look at them as, what's God putting on my heart? These people come in here many times, they're believing God, you know, for certain things. You know, and God wants to use us to meet those needs. And it can't be, well, you know, I got 25 bucks in my budget, that's all he's getting. I'm thinking back to somebody that doesn't go to here anymore. And over the course of decades, a guest speaker never got more than 100 bucks. Never. And there were some, there's been some fantastic speakers here. I mean, who have blessed our socks off. And yet, they stuck to their $100 regiment every time. I can, I can always tell you. And then there are people who don't give anything. That's not generous. If everybody gave something, the total amount to any project, to any guest speaker, would be what it should be. Even though we send guest speakers away with really good offerings, I mean offerings to be proud of, offerings to be grateful for, that, that I'm just, I am pleased I, that, you, that, that people will speak so well of you. But I know that there's people, there are people who didn't do what they should have done. And that guest speaker could have gone away with more than they went away with. Or that project could have been funded sooner than it was. Fully funded sooner than it was. Everybody has an obligation and a responsibility to get in on every project. Well, I don't have it. You've got something. You stop at McDonald's, you have something. You go get yourself a Starbucks, you got something. You go get you a little set thing of extra ice cream at the grocery store, you have something. You have something. Every single person has something they can give. Something. Many years ago, a sweet little lady in the church, a very fixed income, very tight budget, She'd, she came in, and, and she was determined to give. And that night, she didn't have a dime on her. What did she have? I don't necessarily recommend that. I'm just telling you, this is what her heart was. She didn't have a dime on her to put in the offering that night. She had three stamps. She put it in the offering. That's the heart of a giver. Did I need her stamps? No, I didn't need her stamps. But she needed to give it. She needed to. She was sewing. She didn't have much. She had three stamps, but she was sewing. Listen, 
There's no excuse for not being generous. Because God says you are. And if you're not, if you're not exemplifying the heart of a generous person, then you have not tapped into the God that's on the inside of you. Just haven't tapped into it. And God wants you to. He wants to bless you. He wants you to excel in every area of life. And your generosity in finances, your generosity in your time, your generosity in your giftings, your generosity in so many areas that I could name, is to be a blessing to you, ultimately. It's to bless others, but it's coming back. It's coming back. God never lets you give out anything without him returning it back to you. You know, on the receiving end, that's the end of the transaction. On the giving end, it opens the door wide to the possibilities of what can come back. If you keep the door shut like this, you will never know the possibilities that God is extending to you. The potential for the difference it can make in your life. One act of obedience can open the door wide to some huge avenue of blessing for you. Don't forget that. You determined. Be determined. I don't want you to give yourself in the poorhouse. No. That's not the point. I just want you to listen to the man on the inside. I just want you to, number one, follow what the Word says. Be obedient in what the Word says to do. And then follow your heart when the amounts come. Tithing has got an amount. We don't have to, we don't have to even pause to think what is tithe. Maybe it's 10%. But beyond that, God expects us to look to the man on the inside and see what that man tells us to do and then follow that. And I'm telling you what, God's got big things, great window. The windows of heaven can be opened to you. And let me tell you, the last time I saw the windows of heaven opened, it flooded this entire planet. Do you want that kind of flood tide of blessing in your life? Well, open the windows. Be generous. Be a generous person. Find areas, find ways you can be generous to other people. Just look to be a blessing. Just look to be a blessing. And God will meet you where you're at. And God will expand your horizons. He will expand your, you, what you think you're, he, he'll go beyond what you're think, you think you're capable of. He's done it to me many times. He'll go beyond that. If you'll just follow him, it'll pan out. I'm telling you, it'll come back to you. And you'll look back and go, oh, what if I hadn't done that? Don't let the devil steal from you what God's asking you to give. When God asks you to give it, he's setting you up for more. The enemy is just here to take away from you and to diminish you. So you make the choice that every man gives as he purposes in his heart. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.